He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Welcome to episode three of Munson's at the Movies. I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm going uh, to give these other Munson's a wide berth and uh, let them introduce themselves to you all. Uh, Case, what's going on, brother? Oh, just living large down here in Texas, battling winter some days and then summer. So doing my yard work has been interesting. All while waiting for the coronavirus to inevitably end <laughs> everything. Uh, James, what's, what about you, man? Uh, I'm actually going on a bachelor party tomorrow in Vail, Colorado. I am uh, historically terrible at winter sports, so I'm trying to avoid a major injury prior to my wedding. So that is going to be my main focus the whole time I'm there. Warren, how about you? Uh, I'm just putting my hands all over stuff and putting them in my mouth, just you know, playing the odds. <laughs> safety safety first right absolutely yeah. did you guys see that did you guys see that lady who was reading the the coronavirus stuff and she was like you need to keep your hands out of your mouth and then she licked her finger to turn the page <laughs> very relatable it was a big press conference today it was it was fantastic uh rigby uh yeah i'm currently doing this podcast wearing a biohazard mask so you might not hear me very well during it um but uh, that was a bad joke. Sorry. Um, <laughs> come on. I thought it was. I thought it was good. You assholes. On that note, uh, coronavirus is sweeping our through the nation, but that won't stop me from sitting on my ass and watching movies during the weekend. So uh, nothing's going to change on my end. I think folks have said stay inside, and it, that seems like a perfect opportunity to do some lessons at the movies. Absolutely. I'm going to be the most prepared podcaster on all of our next shows because of the coronavirus, I think. Staying inside is literally the only thing I'm good at, so this mm -hmm. is perfect. I saw a meme on Instagram that said... Uh, this is like an introvert's best case scenario because it's like you all the recommendations are you need to stay inside, avoid con human contact. And introverts are like, fuck, yeah, we've been preparing for this for decades. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Man. I, could, I couldn't imagine being a 12 year old boy during this time. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? They're just playing video games. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I guess you can't really they just play with themselves. Speaking of coronavirus, we heard today that uh, No Time to Die, the latest James Bond film, is getting pushed back seven months from April 10th to November 25th because of concerns with health in the movie-going environment. Fellas, what are our thoughts on this? Pretty scary, but it's also, it's probably the right thing to do, but it's also good from a business standpoint because I looked at the last five Bond movies. They all came out in November and they all had pretty big opening weekends. So I think it makes sense from both a health political standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, it makes more sense for a Bond movie to come out uh, during that time, I think. Yeah, I think they're taking a look at what Disney had to do with Mulan, especially that one being released initially over in China. It's a Chinese Chinese story. There, there are some initial reports that Mulan could potentially be like the largest flop of all time. See, what I took from this is I don't care about James Bond at all. I think these movies have completely jumped the shark. I don't even want them to make this movie. I think it is a waste of time. And so pushing it back seven months, 
just push it back forever and let's start fresh. I think these have these have been boring for a while now. Coronavirus or not, I just don't care. I get the sense that, James, you're not the biggest fan of Daniel Craig as James Bond. No, I, I actually don't mind him as James Bond. I think they've done a disservice to him. On They've tried to make it like 10 different things. So I thought Casino Royale was awesome and a great kind of kickstart to like a grittier Bond. But then they just like tried to make us care about storylines that I don't care about. It's like it's James Bond. It's so easy. It's like pretty girls, cool cars, cool gadgets, nice suits. Like I don't need this dark, deep storyline. It, it doesn't need to be what they've tried to make it into. You, you were just describing Fast and the Furious based on what I just heard. Pretty girls, fast cars. No, don't don't disrespect James Bond. Fast and Furious. I mean, to, to be fair, they did that with they did that with Batman, and that turned out to be a perfect, you know, right, right, of, and I. I could see where they were going with this, but then like Quantum of Solace, boring. Terrible. Uh, yeah, that one was terrible. Like, you didn't like Skyfall though? The story behind Skyfall was something like completely unnecessary. It yeah. was like, oh, and here's this big deep thing that you've never cared about, but now you're supposed to care about. And like, what right. are we doing here? Like just make it like a <laughs> random guy. And I want to see gadgets and guns and pretty girls. Like this isn't that like deep. I saw a tweet today that said James Bond could defeat Spectre, but he couldn't defeat coronavirus. Thought that was funny. It's pretty accurate. So here's the the larger question, fellas. This major studio decided to push this back by seven months, and it may be smarter for them in the long run. They've got some technical elements that could qualify for an Oscar or two. But do we envision that other studios are going to be pushing back some other April and May releases because of the coronavirus? Do you think this is the start of something more? I feel like May is usually the time when summer movies, like big box office budget type ones start rolling out and they rely a lot on audiences in china and south korea and japan and stuff so i, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a trend that keeps going because we got black widow hitting in may i'm gonna be very interested to see what marvel does don't the avengers movies come are those usually come out like the first week of may i mean it's like not even summer yet well the, the model's changing quite a bit because they're pushing to have three to four movies a year going forward as they hit oh, okay. phase four and beyond yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if this keeps going i, I mean maybe a, maybe the coronavirus was created by uh, visual arts companies after cats and like the <laughs> Irishmen. And they're like, shit, we need more time to do this stuff because they got ripped terribly those first couple times. You know, Sonic is just another one of those examples. Uh, that whole basic remake. Maybe maybe they had to do a bunch of uh, stuff to, to Bond because Daniel Craig's 10 years older than he was in the first one and we're supposed to believe he's the same guy. <laughs> I wonder how much of it is motivated by protecting their world grosses. That the last James Bond, the domestic gross was two hundred million, and worldwide it was eight hundred eighty-one million. They may they may just be trying to protect that. I, I think it's all about money. Yeah, they, they don't care about the that. health of people. They just want to make sure that their their global release is actually maximizing their profit. Yep, I agree with both of you on that. I guess we've learned it's no time to die of coronavirus. <laughs> All right, so if you follow us on Twitter, you'll know that we like to shout out actors for their birthdays. And uh, Warren's been killing it on that front, so we've appreciated everybody's interactions. But a standing part of our of our show is the idea of who are the birthdays today. And so we'll, we're going to take a stab at it. So Warren, take us home. Yeah, it's, it's weird that I, I like celebrating these birthdays when I fucking hate it when people sing happy birthday to me. So <laughs> the first, first person we got uh, for today is Sam Levine. Or Sam Levine. Uh, he's in uh, Not Another Teen Movie. He's in Club Dread. He's in Freaks and Geeks. He's in a bunch of a bunch of stuff. Uh, anybody want to take a crack at how old 
Sam is. He's also one of the Inglorious Bastards, too. He is. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's right. I'm going to go 40. 36. I'm going 34. All right. He is uh, 37. So James James actually takes that one. Number two, Liza Minnelli, Judy Judy Garland's daughter. There's 110 on the board. (laughs) (laughs) And one of my favorite roles of hers is Lucille 2 from Arrested Development. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's fantastic in that role. 85. I'm going to go 75. 88. Give me 78. You're all dicks. She's only 73. (laughs) She's not aged gracefully. (laughs) Sorry, Liza. She's just been around forever, right? So that's why we're going that way. Uh, Last but not least is Aaron Eckhart. Mr. Two-Face himself, thank you for smoking. A handsome 42 years old. I'm going to go 45. I think he's in his 50s. I'm going to go 51. If you're saying 51, I'll go 52. 51. Yeah. Pickman wins. Ah, oh, nice. Nailed it. You know what? That's Kyle. that's redemption for Rigby uh, just squeezing me. Yep. And that'll do it. That'll do it for today's birthdays. Well, I'm glad this week we could uh, adequately guess all of them instead of giving up because we had no idea who the person was. So <laughs> this is good. This is good. Per usual, we before we select our actor, in this case, we're going to talk about Regina Hall. We start with a, a list of five. For the folks that haven't listened before, we've got a big old list of actors, 500 plus actors, and we run that through a random number generator. It produces five actors. We use that to spin our wheel. Uh, so to remind everyone, the actors we were deciding this week were Ike Barinholtz, Regina Hall, Melissa McCarthy, Dakota Johnson, and Alicia Cuthbert. What do you guys think? Is there is there someone else on that list that you hope we catch at a later time? Um, someone that you are very happy we avoided at all costs and you want to thank the wheel and take it out to dinner? I would have liked to see Melissa McCarthy. I think she's uh, started off in very funny comedic roles, but when I saw her in Can You Ever Forgive Me, I was really impressed. So I'd like to see her at a later date. I was just going to say that. I love Can You Ever Forgive Me, so I, I would be happy to talk about that movie any day. Melissa McCarthy would be Next on the list, if we had to pick someone out of, out of yeah, that group. Yeah, kind of the same reasons that y'all were saying Melissa McCarthy. Ike Barinholtz was kind of the same way, like really came onto the scene and like comedy and he did Mad TV and all that stuff. I watched a, a movie of his, I think at the late, at the end of last year called The Oath. You know, it's, it's got, I think, uh, I think he directed it. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. It's, it's definitely something, you know, it's a little bit on the more serious side. It's good seeing something like that from him. Cause I, I, I mean, I love him in like neighbors and stuff like that. And block blockers was fucking hilarious. He's great in blockers yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> as he was. And as you guys know, I, I'm a big Dakota Johnson fan. So we'll love to have that conversation, but she's got some other movies coming down the pike. So if we catch her later, I'll be happy to have a yeah, little bit more to explore on that front. <laughs> Uh, Dakota, she's the best. Based on our conversation there, I, I would assume, you know, we're not always in concert with certain movies that we love or hate. But in this case, Can You Ever Forgive Me is, was one of my favorite movies from a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. All right, we have arrived at our Regina Hall segment. The wheel decided Regina Hall was where we were going. Some of us were pumped about this. Some of us not so much. Kind of see where the conversation goes from here. So, as always, we start with some trivia. 
James. Cool. So again, just to give everyone a heads up, we're going to do two truths and a lie here, and you guys are going to guess which one's the lie. Uh, and so I will start with fact number one. The reason she actually decided, uh, decided to start acting was because she actually got a gift from her mom, which was a book, which was called Featured Films at Used Car Prices, which was written by Rick Schmidt. And that actually inspired her to take her career into her own hands and start acting at the age of 27. Fact number two, she actually received a bachelor's degree in English from Fordham University and a master's degree in journalism from NYU. And then fact number three, despite not being Catholic, in 2010, she attempted to actually become a nun and was rejected because of her age, which was 40 at the time. I hope number three was Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I read that fact about Regina, number three, so I'm... I'm going to say Regina Hall did try to be a nut, but I'm going to go with fact number one is false. Kyle, which one did you say? Uh, fact one. So oh, it would have been. Fact one was uh, the book that she received from her mom that got her into acting. I'm going to say that the nun is the lie. I'm going to go number one as well. That book sounds made up to me, but I'll go. Uh, I'm going to say that she actually flipped. She went and she did her undergrad at NYU and her master's at Fordham. Oh. So Kyle and Warren are correct. She actually did get her bachelor's degree uh, from Fordham and a master's degree in journalism. Uh, she actually did attempt to become a nun in 2010, despite not being Catholic. She went to Catholic school her whole life. The catalyst for her to actually get into acting was her father passed away while she was finishing up her master's degree. And it just made her feel like life was short and she wanted to pursue her passion after that. And so she decided to start acting. Uh, fact number one was actually uh, something that actually happened to Vin Diesel, which was uh, his mom gave him a book called Featured Films at Used Car Prices, and he made his way out to Hollywood to pursue his career. Now. Wow. Well done, sir. If Vin Diesel hasn't subscribed yet, I'll tell you what, man. He's the most interesting man in the world. He's Where did you find this coffee table book about Vin Diesel? <laughs> Listen, I don't understand why you guys are laughing. These, uh, it just happenstance. D Diesel can't be the most interesting man because he's already got such a, a big tie to Corona and uh, all the Fast and Furious movies. But he's also he's also probably one of the thirty eight percent that uh, thinks that Corona ties to the coronavirus. <laughs> the Fast and Furious crew are just pounding Corona. Craig is going to take us down the path of a snapshot in box office history. So, Craig, tell us a little bit about her impact in the box office throughout her career. Again, as, as I looked at the uh, five movies we're looking at, of, of those, I'm sure y'all could easily identify which one was the most successful in the box office. But then after that, and everything's pretty pedestrian in terms of, of the movies that she's done. Um, but what I thought would be interesting, of let's, let's look at the, the second, third, and fourth scary movie. Of those three, two, three, and four, which of those do you all think had the best opening weekend? Ooh, two. Yeah. I'd say three being a PG-13. I figured it's two coming off the success of one. Oh, good, good call. call. I'm going I'm to go two as well, Craig. Oh, strategic. Right, so 
It actually is three. Oh, suck my dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, thank you. But, uh, congratulations. Um, yeah, that, so that opened up at uh, at fifty million. Damn. Those scary movies are incredible, and it's no wonder. I mean, they just started banging those things out. Yep. And it's no wonder because the first one, the budget's nineteen million, and the worldwide gross is two hundred seventy-eight million. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to make those movies if everyone keeps going to see them. Well, James, that's a perfect segue. Knowing where she came from and why she got into acting is, it's a good start. She's not like a lot of actors who went to school to act, to learn how to act. She, yeah, she very well educated. She was teaching Absolutely. college courses in journalism at one point. Quite the shift in her career. So before we get into first feature film, like we're going to say first feature film uh, in air quotes here. She was in two films in minor roles, right? She was in Think Like a Man and she was in Love and Basketball. So two minor roles there, but her first big break was Scary Movie. And Rigby has the honor to tell us a little bit about Scary Movie. I'm sure most people have seen it, but as we dig into it, Rigby, talk a little bit about her performance. It's one of the not only one of the best parody movies out there, but I, I think it's one of the best comedies of the last 25, 30 years that I've seen. It parodies the scary the late 90s, you know, scary movie so well. Um, and she plays this character, Brenda, who's friends with the uh, the main character, Cindy, played by Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris is basically her character is based off Nev Campbell's character in Scream and Jennifer Love Hewitt in I Know What You Did Last Summer and all these other scary movies from the late 90s. Brenda's sort of like the sort of like the wacky sidekick friend. And when you meet Brenda, you also meet Ray, who's played by <laughs> who's played by uh, Sean Way Sean Wayans. He's you know, they're together, but there's a running joke throughout the movie that that Ray's really gay and she misses all these, you know, telltale signs of, of, of him being gay. So that's it's another funny element to the movie. Regina Hall's character, Brenda, is sort of she meets a uh, unfortunate demise in a movie theater during the movie. But she I, I don't really know how to describe her performance just because it is such like a ridiculous parody movie, but she's hilarious in it. Um, I think every character in the movie is hilarious personally. But she has some sort of wacky moments. It's not really a, <laughs> it's not really like a legit movie in a way, just because it, they are parodying other movies. She's a great character in it. Does she die in scary? Yeah, movie? she gets she gets killed in the movie theater because she doesn't. She what she brings in. She doesn't shut up and she. You know, remember that's a scene where they're watching Shakespeare in Love in the movie theater and <laughs> your ass is grass. Right. She brings in. She brings in like a home cooked chicken. That's the right. whole point of her yelling, character. yelling in the theater yes, and, yes, and yes. bringing in her her own food in the movie theater, sort of bothering everybody. You know, she plays that role with pride, and I think it's absolutely hilarious. And she knocks it out of the park. Yeah, she she's the only character that's not actually killed by the Ghostface killer. Every everybody else in the theater is the one that kills her because they're right. pissed off. At her. <laughs> everybody just happens to have a knife too that's that's the funniest yeah. part fully satisfied with her performance and i think she's those three the the girls in the movie shannon elizabeth anna ferris and regina hall really are great and and i think it's a perfect sort of parody of late 90s movies kind of the way not another teen movie was with late 80s early 90s sort of teen angst type movies i i don't have enough good things to say about Scary Movie and the the sequels that followed it. I agree. It still holds up really well. And like watching it now versus watching it then, I think if you hadn't seen it in a while, it still really holds up. For that to be your first like major role, that's a pretty awesome feather in your cap. So yeah, I was just gonna say, I think I think you can see sort of how and she got into. We'll get into how she sort of took more 
dramatic turns as the years gone by. Like you said, it's a good, it's a great movie to sort of have a, a breakthrough and to be seen by a lot of people and to have a, a starring role in. Literally, like a zombie. She keeps getting resurrected in every scary movie. Well, she gets killed by the, the ring girl in, what, Scary Movie 3 yep. and somehow makes it into the fourth movie and obviously gets murdered. So she just keeps coming back. Did she and- get killed by the... By Chris Elliott in two? I can't remember two now. The Caretaker? No. Sh- yeah, I think she's in every one, right? She survives. Oh, the she survives one. the second one. That's right. Take my strong hand. <laughs> That's <laughs> which, which is a great transition because my I think my favorite character in Scary Movie 2 is David Cross's character, who is just <laughs> so funny, man. Especially when they pull up the little glasses and they see what he's been doing themselves. Um... <laughs> But, oh, and quick correction for the listeners. I mentioned earlier her first movie. I said Think Like a Man. I meant The Best Man. So she was in Think Like a Man, but that wasn't her first film. So that's that's her first feature film, Scary Movie. And she kind of set herself up into this, like, typecast role. I've watched some of her interviews and the research for this. And she talked about it was tough to kind of break out of that in a lot of ways. Because once you play a character like this in a parody that is so obnoxious, good, but obnoxious, it's hard to get into some more dramatic roles. So that kind of set her up for her career. But as we continue down the timeline of of Regina Hall, the way we do this podcast is we we review their first feature film, then we review, you know, highest critic score, lowest critic score, largest critic gap, and largest audience gap. The challenge with this one is all of those occur 2017 or later. So there is a huge gap in her filmography between 2001 and 2016. So what we're going to do is just kind of go through some of those films and to give you all as the listeners a better picture of the types of roles she was taking on over the years. One of you guys go ahead and jump in with one of the first couple movies there on that list. We were just talking about Scary Movie and they just started banging out Scary Movies because I think they saw how cheap they were to make and how much money they were making and the fact that these kind of parody movie you know scary movie was the parody movie that started everyone making parody movies and so between 2002 and 2006 they actually made three more scary movies that she was starring in and i did watch scary movie 2 to prepare for this and it does not hold up very well yeah that compared the nike, to the first the scary nike, movie the commercial nike, right yeah that's what I figured because I remember it was a lot of topical humor and when you do that in a parody movie like Scary Movie is talking about horror movies that came out so you can always reference those but I remember Scary Movie 2 was like referencing like commercials that came out like no one's going to know what that is after a year passes yeah the beginning with Andy Richter and uh, James, James Woods, Woods. <laughs> <laughs> just like he blows up a toilet and then they just right. throw up all over each right. other and I mean it was funny <laughs> just didn't make any sense funny it's funny you mentioned commercials because Scary Movie One has that scene where they do the the Budweiser was up, yeah, and that's that's topical, but it's it's still hilarious because it's that commercial is like legendary. I think after that was uh, which come up with uh, Malibu's Most Wanted, which I'm assuming ages horrifically. <laughs> I watched it last night, and I will tell you, it is one of the most racist pieces of film yeah. I've ever seen. It has its hilarious moments jamie kennedy is is pretty funny in the role it does not stand up well but when you do watch it you start to appreciate some of the other scary movies that she's in you get an idea of the whole kevin hart character and anthony anderson in i think scary movie three or four i forget which one where he plays um they kind of anderson reprises his own character it's not a good movie it's problematic to say the least yeah, she was probably just trying to cash the checks at that point because, like, how many parody movies can you be in before you're like, I don't want to do this anymore? Like, I mean, that that was probably what led her to be like, I should just become a nun. 
<laughs> Actually, oh, that timeline works out. No, no. Oh. Yes, it does. Because her and Malibu's Most Wanted, she just basically plays eye candy falls for Jamie Kennedy's character. There's not there's not a lot to do in that role. We shift to Law Abiding Citizen in 2009, plays Jamie Foxx's wife in a dramatic role in a movie that I think most people like. And you start to see kind of her, her career pivot because she was in Paid in Full in 2002 and plays in a dramatic type role, but she's in like five scenes. But Law Abiding Citizen is when she starts to shift a little bit. Uh, but then she goes back to death at her funeral in 2010. That's a remake, right? That's uh, That's been done a couple times, right? Yeah, it was a remake, I believe, of a yeah. f- Swedish film from like three years earlier. British. I th- British? There was a, it was British yeah. originally. British, okay. I did see, I do remember her in Vacation in 2015 and then in Barbershop 2. Her role in Vacation was super small, but she played just this like family friend that was hilarious. She was, you know, they, her and uh, Keegan Michael Key were married and they had two kids and they were sitting at dinner and she was talking with Christina Applegate and was just like, oh, we went on this trip and everything. You were in Paris and all this stuff. Uh, Christina Applegate's like, yeah, I saw it. And she was like, well, why didn't you like my pictures on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> she's like oh i mean i just didn't get around to him and she just keeps swiping through pictures and she's like oh yeah we did this and she's like oh my god i love it and she goes well if you loved it why didn't you like it <laughs> that's, you know, that's like a perfect small role for her because just like her inflection yep. and everything just it's perfect i agree i wish her role was bigger in that movie because i thought that scene was hilarious i i get why she couldn't have a bigger role in that movie just because their family's on the road the whole time. In that same year, she was in People, Places, Things, which I haven't seen in a number of years, but I remember the movie being good with Jermaine Clement. I don't remember much about her performance. I know it, it had some pretty good critical acclaim, comparatively to some other ones that she put. But then she transitioned. She was in Barbershop in 2016, and then she was in Girls Trip in 2017, which Girls Trip was a pretty big film. It had Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, Tiffany Haddish, like, and uh, Queen Latifah. I, I feel like we're on different ends of the spectrum in terms of our appreciation for Girls Trip. I thought it had some pretty funny parts. Actually, never saw a girl's trip. I thought it was pretty good. I'm I'm on the Warren yeah, side. I, I enjoyed the, it. Uh, yeah, the Bourbon Bourbon Street with uh, was it Pinkett Smith who's <laughs> you know, zip lining across it and she's not wearing underwear and she ends up pissing all over people. <laughs> before. That's hilarious. I didn't see that coming. I was not the biggest fan of that movie. I'll uh, come out and say it. it. It did have its funny, gross out parts that were that were good, but I just I got tired of it after an hour or so. I think the the reason it was po- it's popular is because it, it tells the story of these four friends from college who have since lost connection and gone in these different paths. And I think it's relatable for a lot of friends groups, come, especially come out of college, especially in the African-American community. Based on, again, things I've seen from her interviews, she talks a lot about she's she's been in a lot of films that are made f- essentially for the African-American community. Right. Think like a man, death at a funeral, a lot of African-American actors. And she talked about the reason she does those is because those are the folks that gave her her chance in acting. Those are the people that have supported her. So she's made sure she participated in a lot of those productions. We hit 2017. Girls Trip's a pretty big commercial hit. Coming out of Girls Trip, we we dig into her lowest critic score, and that is Naked, which I believe is running at a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Correct me if I'm wrong, James. That is correct. 0%. So tell us about the 0% film. Naked is well-produced, well-polished. It looks like a rom-com. It sounds like a family-friendly comedy. It has a cool premise uh, that it borrows from Groundhog's Day, where the main character, played by Marlon Wayans, wakes up the same way every day, over and over again. The big difference between Groundhog's Day is it's his wedding and uh, wedding day, and he's naked, um, and he's got to get to the church. Uh, his wife, played by Regina Hall. The reason why this gets a zero is it's just simply not funny. Like it's not like bad 
where it's like, oh my God, what a mess. It's so well put together and well produced. There's just no laughs. It's, yeah. um, I tracked it. I was 40 minutes in before I had like a genuine laugh. There was like two smirks. It's just, th- they made a movie without having to write the punchlines to jokes. It has a 0%. I don't think it deserves that. I would say at best, 40% at worst, 30% is what I would rate it. A three out of 10, a four out of 10. It was like watching air. It, my life is no better or worse for watching it. Time just progressed. I was an hour older and nothing was different in my life. Regina Hall does the best she can with it, which unfortunately here is not a lot. She is the love interest. I think she has a great future ahead of her based on other roles I've seen of her being a leading lady in dramas. Um, she's clearly, she's wasted here comedically because she's clearly done well for her own in comedies. And that just wasn't her fault in this. It's just poorly written movie. It just seems like everyone involved here was just trying to cash a paycheck from Netflix. Brian, Brian McKnight included. Yeah. yeah Brian true. McKnight cameo that could have been funny and just wasn't like, there's just no, there's no laugh, but uh, it, nothing to do with her effort on it. I, I think they just kind of wasted her. And actually based on what you were saying, where she wanted to help out people who've helped her get here, that makes sense because the Wayan brothers are made this movie. And so I'm assuming if they asked her to be involved and she wanted to help them out here, it's unfortunate. It's just not a very good movie. Can you imagine being Marlon Wayans and being naked for 75% of your video shoot, just the entire time on set, just straight up nude? Maybe that's why everyone was afraid to tell him it just wasn't funny. <laughs> it's so well, do like I can't stress it enough. It's the cinematography. It, it looks like it's, it's supposed to be a good movie. And then you just never laugh. James, what was the part that you uh, first laughed at? Um, the first part that I laughed at is when he calls his best man because he doesn't know what's best man's at the church waiting. He's like, oh, my God, what's going on? And he goes, your mom is singing uh, gospel. And she's like 10 songs in. Like, I hate it. I hate it, man. You got to go. Oh, damn it. Like, I knew this would happen. This is the word. And that was the first time I laughed. And I peer over and his mom is just killing a gospel song and everyone clearly hates it. I was like, first First time I laughed was 40 minutes into the movie. But the one time I laughed was he he's first running through the crowd and he runs into that like absolute frat bro and he's pouring oh, yeah. beer on himself and he's like, oh, that was a craft, craft beer, beer bro. <laughs> See, you laughed at that. I was just like, ugh. And those cop, the cops were... The cops were funny. It's my ride or die, bitch. <laughs> I just got annoyed after a certain point because he does, he tries so many different things. And the movie just wants you to assume that he's able to get like five changes of clothes and travel across town in an hour. The the plot just lost me. I think the premise could have worked. I think it could have worked. You need to write in some jokes. There just weren't any jokes. And that that's a remake, isn't it? Yeah. Or it's yes. based off. That's the Swedish one. James, they really could have like tied it to Watchmen with Dr. Manhattan being like, I'm sitting here doing this while this happens <laughs> and this thing goes on. And then it's just like over and over and over and all these different layers because that's really how it starts to feel. Like it, it, it happens like 30 times in five minutes where it's just like ding, 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 ding. When, like when he gets in a fight with the ex-boyfriend, that scene yeah. was funny. I, I should laugh more than twice in a two-hour movie. I didn't understand what they were going for. Well, that's naked. A year later, The Hate You Give, which is the highest critic score, and Warren uh, watched this. Going from all the other movies to this, this being the last one I watched, it was by far the heaviest. It had the most kind of social commentary, and yeah, the whole thing is there's a, a made-up neighborhood you know, based on you know a bunch of different areas in the U.S., but there's this family. Regina Hall is the mom of three kids. Uh, the dad's been in uh, some gangs in the past, and he's trying to get out. 
the kids, instead of being in the typical high school, the mom, Regina Hall drives them across town. They're in uh, like a very affluent, predominantly white high school. And so the kids have to learn to live two lives. They, they can't be the same person in these areas. Yeah, the, the main girl, she's incredible in this movie. And she has to keep switching back and forth. She ends up going to a party and leaving with one of her childhood friends, the the girl uh, played by Amanda Stenberg. She's playing Star Carter, and she does a fantastic job in this role because it's a lot of shit that they put on her in this. She's riding with a friend, and they get pulled over by a cop. The cop th- suspects the, the kid of having a gun when he has a hairbrush. Something that's, you know, it's happened. There's a lot of things that they uh, refer to in this movie of other instances and the whole thing is just kind of how that impacts her life you know she doesn't want people to know that she was this witness you know she doesn't want you know white friends to know that she was the witness to this murder because then that would just make her the stereotypical black girl who has this she lives in the hood and you know the family regina hall is really really good at this she's like during all the chaos she is the calming presence and just this voice that's the foundation for this family. You know, she's got to wrangle in her, her husband, who is played by Russell Hornsby. And he's really, really good as well. She's just got to kind of bring everybody back and calm everybody down. And she's just very nurturing and a bunch of really good conversations with uh, a very distraught daughter a son who just got beat up she's like the foundation for this whole uh family and she she keeps him grounded to have her go from playing brenda and and stuff like that all the way to this role like that is complete opposite ends of the spectrum you know no, nothing that she does in this movie is would you consider like funny prior to this like that's really all i had seen her in funny stuff to see this side of her was uh really really impressive so I definitely I get the uh, the high the high ratings kind of in the same vein as Fruitvale Station and stuff like that. So definitely says a lot about goings on in the U.S. and there's there's a lot to take away from it. But Anthony Mackie's got a small role in it. He does really well. Common's got a role in it. So it receiving a uh, I think it's a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes is uh, for me. It's probably not th- as high. You know, it, it being up there uh, for sure. I, I definitely get it. I think it shows her range. Like it, you start to see the evolution of her career in a lot of ways in terms of being in a because mm-hmm. I mean the movie is about gun violence, right? And so for folks right. that are politically minded in some ways, they'll they'll never watch it. And if they do, they'll hate it because it's telling a story that they may or may not agree is even a reality. But for those who understand and get that, I think the hate you give really, I mean, it, it, some of the final scenes, it just digs deep, man. Yeah, it, it definitely touches on both sides. I could definitely see somebody coming in with their mind made up saying, oh, this is only going to tell one side. Common's got a really good a part where he's talking about, because he's a cop in this, and so he's talking about from the perspective of a police officer. That that was really good to see. And then her boyfriend, uh, Star's boyfriend in this movie, initially when he popped up on stay, or on, on screen, I was just like, this guy is just like a, a, an absolute dork. Like I don't see him being anything in this movie. <laughs> He ends up being just like this, again, this really constant like force of just 
Like he's he's one of the different types of people in the world and shows that, you know, he's he's a, a white a white kid at this school. His interactions with uh, Star's dad, it's all definitely realistic. Um, I, I could definitely see it happen. He does a really good job of playing just kind of this helpless person in, in some situations. Yeah, he, he's there to kind of show that there there are good people out there. And that's the hate you give, which is a, a, an interesting transition because 2018, same year, she was the lead in a movie called Support the Girls, which is the one I'm covering. It's the largest critic gap, which means critics loved it audiences maybe not so much so there, there's a gap in between those two i believe i'm not the only one on the podcast who watched support the girls at least a couple of you guys did right i watched it i watched it as well i think what i what was really interesting about the movie and again for our audiences who haven't seen it yet and it's a smaller production right it's a smaller independent film that came out to be honest i i watch a lot of movies every year and i hadn't heard of it so i knew it was a smaller production what i learned is that holy hell critics freaking love this movie and i think and it's justified the idea is she basically runs a hooters style restaurant sketchy boss who doesn't really care all he cares about is his profit margin she is trying to do her best to be a great supervisor for these women who just have problems right they're just not in a great place by the way, Haley, Ru- Haley Lou Richardson is phenomenal in it. Does yeah. She's great. She was great in Columbus. She was great in Edge of 17. She's quietly put together just a, a really awesome filmography up to this point. Five Feet Apart, I saw it last year. I actually didn't mind. She's good in Split. Pretty awesome at 24. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that girl's got a, a future, but I'm not here to necessarily talk about her. But she- Oh, that's right. She was in Split. I forgot. Okay. But she plays one of the waitresses there who's like super excited about the job and all about it. What what I love about this film and her per- her performance is she plays this person who's just kind of like stuck. She doesn't really want to work in this environment. You know, she really cares about the girls, but she knows the girls have a lot of problems. The basic gist of the film is she's managing and one of the girls running his into some legal trouble with her boyfriend who I believe is abusing her. And so she puts on essentially what is a kind of a legal fundraiser with women that they just trained and aren't even employees yet to raise money for this girl, for her lawyer. And then the girl ends up just getting together with the boyfriend. And so it just burns her goodwill as she kind of sacrifices her job for one of her employees. And so it was just a really interesting look at someone who feels connected to their job, doesn't necessarily agree with the model of what she's doing, but believes in people. And you guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I I think she just... She does a really, really good job in this. She got a Gotham Independent Film for Best Actors for this role. This is kind of the first time she got nominated for all things, at least in critic circles. And she was the first African-American woman to win the New York FCC Best Actress Award as well for her role in this. I loved it, and I, and I think the, the final scene is really cool. Again, spoilers, her and two of the women that she manages are all now fired and looking for a new job, potentially at a, another similar restaurant called man cave are just screaming carefree and just like letting all of their stress and worries go i thought i thought it was a really cool movie you could have you could have called the movie regina hall and the terrible horrible no good very bad day um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's all one day Every, right yeah everything was just like a fucking mess and she handled it you know it was it was stuff at work it was stuff at home it was so stressful yeah then you said that like uh, the last scene that was, you know, when when I saw them doing that, like the yelling part, that was straight out of Garden State. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that when they're on the yelling and the whole just kind of releasing stress. So yeah, I, I didn't I didn't love it. It was uh, a less less maniacal uncut gems. I agree. <laughs> uh, it definitely had an uncut gems feel to it, where the whole time, like I didn't 
fully grasp what the story was going to be, but I just knew that like they were dogpiling stress on top of Regina Hall's character. Like you walk in and your cook has someone try to break in and steal yeah, your money like, and you just have the grace to be like, hey, you know you can't work here anymore, right? It was also a little yeah. triggering because it kind of reminds me of work in general where all things that could go wrong do eventually go wrong. It's like, well, how do you feel about this? Like, Everyone has to come to me for my opinion here. I like the movie, but I, I loved her in it. I thought it was, uh, of all the movies we're talking about, I, I thought it gave us the biggest, like she she does everything in this movie. Super dramatic, hilarious. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and then she's got a real, I, I loved her in this movie. I thought she was super empathetic. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was a big fan of her after this movie. What's funny too is the first scene when she gets out of the car, she says hey like she does in the scary movies and so i was like oh there's there's regina that's regina i know (laughs) but little fun fact i learned too the little fun fact she worked at a twin peaks once upon a time as a waitress so i think she she had good perspective going into this so kyle do you vote on the side of the critics here the the side of the fan rating i'm gonna go critics i'm not gonna give it a hundred or i think it's a solid around an 80 some of that it's a it's a small movie with a lot of heart I, i love when people tell stories like this that it's just a one day in the life. I, I enjoyed most the boss trailing some asshole because he got cut <laughs> off and then getting punched in the stomach and yeah, because he's a the, douche. The road rage scene. Yep. Yeah. That's, that was my favorite part of the movie, 100%. Guys like that deserve shitty endings just like that. That's Support the Girls. That's the largest critic gap. We're going to shift to our last focus, and that's the largest audience gap. So this is audiences loved it. Critics, maybe not so much, was Shaft. So, Case, tell the audience about Shaft. We've seen this movie a few other times. <laughs> so, in, in 2000, they rebooted the Shaft franchise with uh, Samuel Jackson playing John Shaft. I didn't realize that they were supposed to have three of them. John Singleton, if I'm not mistaken, directed the one in 2000. They were very fired up because they had a lot of really good people in, in line to do a franchise, and they were going to try to do three of them. It did not do well. Dropped it for 19 years to be exact. I mean, I, I grew up watching Shaft movies. I grew up watch, watching TV shows about this type of a character. It's the same type of movie. The gist of this one is now we're, we're being introduced to the third generation of Shafts. His, his, one of his good buddies gets killed. He works for the CIA as a computer analyst. They're going out and they're going to try to figure out who, who killed his buddy. It's a pretty straightforward movie. You know, the, the plot's pretty straightforward. My takeaways from this movie as a whole... I can watch Samuel Jackson in in almost every role. He's entertaining. And then number two, the theme for Shaft is just badass. Every time that came on during this movie, I was like, hell yeah, what's going on, right? It's, it's, it's got to be one of the best themes of all time. So I, those, are the, those are the two takeaways from this particular movie as a whole. Um, the, the other interesting thing about this movie, in the 2000, the original Shaft, he pl- in the story, he's Samuel Jackson's uncle. And then in this movie, he is now somehow his dad. So that way they've got three generations. Yeah, he calls him uncle, like, jokingly. He, like, references it. I think they just totally retconned it in there just to say, like, well, fuck it. We'll, we'll make Might him, as well, right? We'll make him a dad. Yes. So I, uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. And that was that was Rich, Richard Roundtree. Um, Regina Hall's, you know, unfortunately her role, pretty limited. It's pretty heavy in the beginning. And then she's got a couple of scenes throughout. And she's just really good in the movie. And I don't think this movie is trying to be anything than other what it is. I think that's why the, the, the gap is so big. It's a father-son story. I guess the redemption of the film is you see all three generations at the end working together. It's supposed to be kind of a, an arc for the Shaft franchise. 
if you were looking for a theme, that's probably it. Fathers and sons, setting their differences aside. Yeah, Craig, are, do you end up uh, choosing on the critic side here or on the fan side with your review? The audience score is 94% on this, and the critic is 32 I'm definitely wow. not in the 94, but I'm probably right in the middle. You know, I, I think I think most, and that's the nice thing about this particular character in this particular movie, is I think any audience member going to this movie is going to see this story and this these characters. I mean, people just want to watch Samuel Jackson acting like a badass. And, uh, you know, that's what you're going to get. So I, I'm, I'm probably, I would lean towards the audience, but I wouldn't be as high as the audiences were. I thought, I thought Regina Hall was, every single interaction she had with Samuel Jackson, I laughed like yes. audibly every single time. Opening scene is hilarious. Thanks for the shaft review. Any other major performances that we haven't hit from Regina that that help tell the story of her career? We've kind of reached the end of our five films. Well, I love her in Black Monday. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't talked about her t- TV career. Black Monday is good. Have you guys seen that? I haven't seen it. I hadn't seen it. I know about it, but I haven't, haven't watched it. Did we mention Allie McBeal? Another TV show launched She's in uh, Insecure on HBO. She's got a yep. little side character. She's not in for, she's in one season for Did who who was the one who saw Little? I watched I it. I think the someone other night. said it. Yeah, I watched it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. That like we need to be done with the body swap movies. I mean, they're just that that yes. that plot line has just come and gone. It's just right. run its time. Well, I was all I was all excited to watch another Regina Hall movie and I failed to put the math together. That she was only going to be in the first part of it. Yeah, she right, <laughs> and it would be a different actress. Right, so she <laughs> she plays this girl who in high school she was bullied, and then she grows up to be this super mogul, tech mogul, and she's like a bully too. She be, basically the bully becomes the bully. She gets tricked into the, by this um, girl who she runs into in the parking lot. Who she's mean to her, and she this magician casts a spell on her, and she wakes up her old thirteen year old self, and basically has to go back to high school and sort of realize sort of how badly she treated how badly she treats people now and i can't think of one good one i've ever seen i really can't either like after the after the first joke it's like get it it's supposed to be someone else and you're like cool we're gonna do this for an hour and a half like right they've never been funny to me i don't know if you guys saw the the change up with ryan reynolds yeah kind of along that same vein i don't know for some reason whenever i watch that movie i laugh harder than than the than the uh, previous time for some reason I just think that plot line a lot of people are tired of it and that's probably why this movie didn't do very well I think it disappointed both at the box office and from critics just because I think people are just tired of it what surprised me about Regina Hall's career is I've seen a, I've seen more of her movies than I thought I had I agree Kyle that caught me off guard when I thought about it I was like you know even just casual watches I've seen a lot of them and the one that we haven't mentioned that I watched the other day was Danica, which is a Marissa Tomei product. Um, she plays the main actress, and Regina Hall plays her, basically her therapist, and she's in like five scenes. And it's, I think, 06. So it's early on. She's not doing a ton. She's not asked to do a ton. And the movie is just a psychedelic, weird... Some people love it. I hated it. To each their own, I suppose. But I will say this. Normally, at this point in the segment, we would bring up a top 10 performances, and you guys would guess... Um, I couldn't find anything on Regina Hall in terms of top 10 performances, either from from a fan site, no gold derby. I did find a top 10 movies on Ranker.com, and I'll just tell you that the number one film based on fans ranking her movies is Think Like a Man. Take, take that what you will. And I also learned Scary Movie is considered the 157th funniest movie of all time, according to Ranker.com. Let's dig into the Munson meter. 
per what we do every one of these episodes. We rank our actors based on a number of factors. So in this case, we're looking at what's their longevity, right? You know, how consistent are they over the over the the duration of their career? What's their pop culture impact? Um, how much range do they have? You know, do they take on different types of roles? Are they are the character actors? Whatever it happens to be. You know, have they won awards? Have they gotten critical acclaim? Any outside talent? So do they direct? Do they sing? Do they write? Do they produce? Also, their personal life. Are they a, a standout human or are they a big old piece of shit? Take all that into account and we give them a score on the Munson meter between 0 and 100 based on the average of the five of us. So I'm going to throw it out there. The guys don't know who's going first, but I'm going to throw out Case. You're going first. Uh, I'm going to give her a 67. You know, I think what, what hurt her on my list are longevity, awards, and talents. For somebody that's got, you know, a writing background, kind of surprised that she doesn't do a lot of, she doesn't do a lot of writing. I love her story. I love the fact that she got into acting late, and it, and it seems like, like she's got a she's building a career based on some purpose the other thing that i like about her career is it seems like very established actors and actresses want to work with her that tells me that that she's probably somebody that is enjoyable to work with and and is talented and then the other thing too and and it just kind of comes out of um support the girls i I think she's got a lot more range than we see in and that's why i love support the girls because i thought we got to see a really solid acting performance that displayed a lot of things that we would expect from really high level actresses all right rigby uh i'll go i'll go 70 with regina hall obviously her i was fortunate enough to watch scary movie her first major role and that plays a big part in it for me because she was perfect in that movie you know she kind of like you said she kind of made some it kind of took her a while i think to figure out exactly what her what her path was going to be but you know i think with black monday i think she's got a she she's got a range in movies not only but also tv you know she's a she's a main character in that show if she doesn't find a long sustained career in movies then i think tv could be a, a good outlet for her as well so i'd like to see her do a little bit more dramatic stuff i think the stuff I've seen where she has been dramatic, she's good in it. Um, and I think she has that potential. You know, it's nice to see her sort of getting out of the... It's nice, as much as I like the Brenda character, it's nice, to, like you said, Kyle, it's nice to see her sort of get away from that that stereotypical where she's being typecast in all these movies as the, you know, the hysterical friend. Yeah, I'm going to go 70. I feel like that's a good number for someone her age and, and someone with also potential to continue to do what she's doing. Love it. So we got a 67 and a 70. Warren, what are you tossing in? Uh, I'm going to give her a 62. Um, I think the best is yet to come with her. You know, it, it's been a real, it was a real slow burn. She got established. Uh, but I think it really took her a long time to kind of shake the like slapstick humor pigeonhole that she kind of, she got into. But that's, you know, why, why she is where she is today. Uh, so with like support the girls and the hate you give that I'd like to see her go down that path a little bit more. And I'd also like to see her uh, run with a little bit more of a, a leading role. Uh, I think support the girls was really the first time I saw that. I think I'd really like to see, you know, her kind of run with that a little bit more. I definitely think the, the, like I said, the best is yet to come. And uh, I think she's still developing into her best, her best self yet. James wildly enough, Warren, you and I, Pick the exact same number, and I promise you, I did not write it down. Now. Uh, I had 62 as well. Many reasons that you mentioned are the reasons why. I actually like that uh, she was able to build a career out of comedy. I think slapstick humor people don't give enough credit to nowadays, um, and for someone to be actually good at that is truly impressive. But the reason why I have 
lower is the same reasons I actually had uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt lower is I feel like we are just now starting to get uh, she's starting to get roles where we can see the dramatic range. And when given that role, she's doing very well. It's just it hasn't been frequent enough, right? So I do agree with you, Warren. I think the best is yet to come. I think she can absolutely be a leading lady in a dramatic role. We see that in Support the Girls. We see that uh, The Hate You Give. So I am looking forward to more of that. I think on her personal side, it's super fascinating to you know have multiple college degrees, to look into going into uh, becoming a nun to being so self-aware of being typecasted for 20 something years and getting out of it and still being able to persist is truly impressive. Um, it just, we are just now getting to experience the best that she has. So I hope it continues. And I'd love to see it that range kind of uh, improve. And I will round it out. I'm sadly going to give her the lowest score of the group. I'm going to give her a 59. Areas of strength, I think for her, she's got a huge pop culture impact, especially in the African-American community. Um, she's built quite the career in that sphere, and so it's 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 hard not to recognize that. And I and I mentioned earlier her range has it's been cool to see the evolution of her career from Brenda all the way to support the girls, and and to see her take on some different um, different types of roles. And and one other nugget from her personal life, she does a lot of volunteering with the elderly, and she got ho- fun fact she got hooked up with that through Bob Saget. That would have been a good. Fun fact Kyle, for you, James. I need you to stop researching because I did see that and I, ca- <laughs> I didn't include it on purpose. I need you to stop looking up. It's so out yet. there, right? To learn about the actors and as much as I can. Um, but I, I knocked her for the award side. She really hasn't gotten much. She hasn't got any major award nominations. She's got some critics or stuff. And in terms of just like other talents, um, she hasn't really entered into that space yet. So looking at JGL compared to her, I knew that I couldn't give her a score as high as JGL, which was around the 70 mark. So with those five scores, Warren, tell us where we're at. Is- Regina Hall, Munson Meter, comes out to 64. So not bad. No. That feels about accurate, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that was right about, you know, I, I definitely came in with thinking, I probably initially said, oh, she'll be a little bit lower, but... After watching a bunch of stuff, I learned learned quite a bit about progression, and so I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Same here. The work she's done in the past five years is really since 2015 is kind of yeah pushed her up the Munson meter in a lot of ways. We've wrapped up our conversation about Regina Hall, and as always. We start to lean towards the next episode. Our next episode will drop on March 26th. And here are the five actors that we have consideration. So we've got Jesse Plemons, which is he's in some fantastic films. If you like comedy, I suppose. Uh, Game Night is the one that comes to mind. I think of Jesse Plemons. Laura Dern. Aaron Eckhart, which is hilarious because he was one of our birthday boys today. James Vanderbeek and Chris Pratt. Of those five options, fellas, what are you th- what are you thinking? Blast Vanderbeek into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'd like to do uh, yeah reviews on Laura Dern. I think she's got a very interesting career that would be cool to kind of dissect. Yeah, I'd probably have to say the same. Uh, I, I feel like I've seen everything that Chris Pratt's done, like Aaron Eckhart. I mean, aside from those two movies I mentioned earlier, Batman and uh, Thank You for Smoking, I, I don't think I want to see anything else that he's done. So. Was, was he in that like Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter movie? If he, if he <laughs> is, then I changed my mind. 
to do it. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Jesse Plemons too, because uh, I there's nothing I find funnier than the end of Breaking Bad, where he is a skinny white supremacist, and then they did the follow up movie on Netflix, <laughs> and he's easy 60 pounds heavier and they just don't address it at all and it's supposed to be like the next day just the king of chonk <laughs> yeah. he's on the christian bale diet you know i'm gonna go i think it'd be fun to do aaron eckert he's been in some stuff i've seen a lot of stuff that he's done um a lot of movies really just once but it would be cool to rewatch. it'd be cool to rewatch like the black dahlia he's in that he's in i don't have you guys ever seen the pledge with jack nicholson that's a great movie that'd be a fun one to talk about I'd like to do Eckhart because I don't know a ton of fee and I like when we do people that I just get to dig into a lot of new stuff. That's, that's true. The late he was in any given Sunday. He was the uh, the office of coordinator. Oh yeah, that's right. He's also the love interest in Aaron Brockovich, which is a, a, an awesome movie. Oh yeah. That's um. Right. So he kind of he kind of ex- I wouldn't say exploded, but he was in some good movies, some big movies in the in the late 2000s kind of took a break and then um, came back with thank you for smoking and, and the dark night. And I think it'd be fun to talk about. Him. Sounds like we're all universally not in favor of James. <laughs> Vanderbilt, though, so that's good. I just want to, I would love to watch varsity blues and talk about tweeter. Yeah. That, I, could do would... a, I could do a whole, I could do a whole podcast about varsity blues. I love that movie, <laughs> but I don't know if I've seen a movie may, I, rules of attraction maybe, but I don't, I don't think I've seen. I'm just going to watch six seasons of Dawson's Creek. Exactly. I don't think I've seen another movie that he's in. Yeah, you did. You watched Scary Movie. He makes an appearance in the first 10 minutes. Oh, right. He does. That's Wrong true. Set. Wrong no, set. he's funny in that role. Yeah, that's Jane Silent Bob. Jane Silent Bob, yep. Yes. He plays himself. God, dude, that, that, that moment in Scary Movie yeah. killed me. That was the first time I just lost my shit rewatching Wrong set. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll see. Hey, the wheel decides, right? So... March 19th, we're going to spin that wheel and we'll know who it's going to be. Well, y'all, we've reached the end of episode three. We appreciate if you're still here. We appreciate you. Um, Hopefully you learned a ton about Regina Hall and her career and hopefully go out and watch a few more of her films and we're interested to see what else she brings to the table. So, as always, you can find us on Twitter and uh, at Munson's at Movies or on Instagram, Munson's at the Movies. We will be pushing out all sorts of content birthdays celebrations we'll cover the movies that we're going to discuss on the podcast itself that's also where the wheel lives and you can email us at munson's at the movies at gmail.com again if you have ideas actors you want to see us cover please do reach out we would love to add them to our list all right munson's out all right let's go Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity.